And it's just as well that we didn't get to the the stuff that I thought Rich would want to talk about in yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah. Because apparently, Mister, I am Lord of the Extended Universe wasn't aware of that stuff. Oh, Rich. And that that's oh, part Rich. of the Extended Universe. He only read the books. He didn't really watch the shows that are part of the Extended Universe. Rich. He's been lying to us. Hey, welcome back to Even More Mashed Up. We are the podcast coming to you from Misericordia University. We're two professors talking about all things pop culture. I'm Alan. And I am Patrick. And today we are going to answer that burning question. Who watches The Watchmen? Because it's us. We watch it. <laughs> yeah, we, we do watch it. Or watched it. Well, that's true. We're not watching. That was a that was a quality opening right there. It was it was one of your better ones. Yeah, who yeah. watches the Watchmen? Yeah, we I do. mean it is stolen from the comic book, but I believe I prefer to call it an homage. Oh, an homage. Oh, so that gets you around copyright. What well, I mean the comics stole it from the uh, what the the satirist juvenile. You you had a you had a copyright rule at some point. Was uh, it, as long as you call it satire. It yeah, satire is is uh, copyright protected. Okay. Yeah. This is parody. That's it, that's it. Parody, parody protected. That's what it was. Parody protected. Parody protected, yes. So parody. that was a parody protected. This is all, everything we do on the show is parody. We would not want Watchmen or DC or anybody no. coming after us. No. Well, we certainly don't want the Watchmen coming after us. There's there's some scary dudes. Clearly parody. Great publicity, though. Yeah. For the show, yeah. 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 I mean, we'll probably be dead, but... Hey, yeah. how many paint discs you know, got famous after they died? Mm, I really don't want the fame to happen after my death. What good is that? I want the fame now. Yeah. Fame. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to fly high. Do you remember that song? <laughs> Irene Care? I do. I remember the person who sang it. I went it. to see the fame movie when it came out. I did not. I remember the TV show fame. It was not particularly good. Yeah. I did, the TV I show I think was better. Show. Oh, you would have liked it. It was your kind of thing. The film or the TV show? The TV show. Oh, I totally watched the TV show. Yeah, I spoke to your... I mean, I don't remember You're anything about it, but I do remember yeah. watching it. Yeah, It was a scrappy inner city school, right? Yeah, something like that. For the performing arts. Yeah. Yes, a scrappy yeah. inner city school. Any inner... Let's just You're, move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watchmen! Hey, you know, Hope can be scrappy even though she's a performing art That's person. true. So, Watchmen. Yes. This is H HBO's Watchmen. The not HBO's the comic Watchmen. book, not the Zack Snyder. Oh, we might... Those might get referenced might at some point today. Yeah. But, but potentially. Yes. Yeah, so I kind of drove the conversation on Star Wars, so maybe you want to get started on Watchmen. No, I'm good. <laughs> Look, it's all it's all up here. Yeah, the noteless wonder. I'm pointing to my head. So I want to point out, you always talk about shows in which you do all the prep, and then mm -hmm. I come with nothing prepared. Correct. All right, you've done back-to-back -back this morning. Yeah, but I didn't ask you to come prepared. There's a difference. But if you no, had it, nobody would have There's no difference whatsoever. Sure there is. No difference You impose upon me the preparation. I did not tell you to be prepared today. You no, could I have come. Impose, no, just I as, do not impose Oh, you do. Let's do a is. Gotham quiz. And don't tell me that I don't know what's going to happen next. What's that? Oh, because someone's like, I think I'm giving up on the CW shows. And then we someone's going to want a CW, CW quiz. Yeah, don't think yes, I don't know yes. that that's where you're going. That's brilliant. All right. Good so, idea. We'll do that. Yeah. I have a bunch of just kind of random notes and thoughts that I can throw out there, and maybe that'll inspire you. I have. Oh no, I, I have a random thought. Okay, do you want to start? It's so with good. It's really, Watchmen was really well done. It's really. We've done too many shows recently where we agree. Yes. But this is really good. Yes. Well, like, and, it and is the best television I've seen in quite some time. Yeah. It's well, and and 
I mean, it, it, it's appropriate that we're talking about this show after having discussed the problems with Rise of Skywalker. Yes. Because Watchmen faced many of the same dangers or, or, or possible failures. And I would say almost across the board, everything Rise of Skywalker does wrong, Watchmen did right. Right. This is not about trying to give fans, like, nostalgic service. No. I mean, I think it helps that that obviously all of Watchmen was done before there was any kind of fan reaction to it. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, Star Wars having had the fan reaction last Jedi. Comic can be pretty... Can be. And again, like, the fact that... I mean, again, kind of talking about how Rise of Skywalker seemed to feel like it was running scared... And, There's and any number of reasons back, why you might run scared from doing Watchmen. Right. Running back, Star Wars running back to formula. What I yeah. love about this is from the very beginning, it's clear, the show is building off of the comic. Yes. But it's creating something new. Well, it's one of the things, because Lindelof referred to the show as, uh, originally, he talked, before anything came out, he talked about it as a remix of the original comic, which which had me kind of a little bit scared, and I don't know that I would call it a remix because mm. it's not it's not remixing the original story. Right. It feels more. I mean, if we're going to stick with kind of the music sort of of metaphor. Yeah. It feels more like, like a it's sampling. Samba. A what? Sampling. Oh. Like it's it's got some of the that original. Or a, it's got some of the original called. comic in there. Right. But it's telling it within its own story in the same way that you because sample in making your own song. When. Well, thank you for defining that for us and our listeners. I was just making sure everyone's on the same board. Page. No, same board. board. <laughs> what board are we on? We're making a gaming reference. Oh. Oh. Why? Because I because it fits what you said. Because I have lots of levels. Because I have lots of levels. One hundred percent understand what you're so doing. Wait, have you ever seen a? Tabletop game or a video yes, game? Yes, tabletop. There aren't boards in video games. Yes, yeah, so there are not levels in tabletop games. So no, I have lots of levels. <laughs> just I'm like, Wh- I'm like Whitman that We're way. only six or seven minutes in. We could just start all over. <laughs> we have, ther- we have rough. seriously derailed. So when Lindelof said he was going to set it 30 years in the future, yes. I thought that was a terrible idea. Yeah, I would. Like, I'm like, why do I want to watch that? Well, even when I saw the first trailer, I'm like, this looks nothing like Watchmen. Like, yeah. what is he doing? I'm like, this so, just seems. So the show opens to Tulsa in 1921, yeah. and you think to yourself, all right, I thought it was spinning 30 years forward. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a remixing. I don't remember Tulsa and the race riot no. in Tulsa. Against the Black Wall Street, and mm-hmm. I, I don't remember any of that being part yeah. of it. No, and I totally love that. Yeah, love it. Like, well, the, it's one the of the things opening that, is so striking. Well, and it's one of the things that that I saw that Lindelof said, and I and I think it it was why the show worked is that what it's doing, like the original comic, is the comic very much told a story of its time. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's very much about. Besides being about comic book superheroes, it's right. very much about kind of Cold War, mid nineteen eighties, nuclear anxiety, nuclear anxiety, and 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 Amer- and, and America. Um, yeah. That and Lindelof said that he wanted to do that in twenty nineteen, and what would the only equivalent topic he could imagine the show being about is race and policing. And that is clearly what he and 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 eventually white supremacy 
sort of more largely. Right. Um, Gun control. That that he is very much telling white supremacy. A story. He's using Watchmen to tell a story of now, in the same way that the original comic told a story of its now. I was talking uh, about this with a friend at the dorm after dinner the other. Whoa, 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 whoa! What? You have other friends that you talk to things like this about? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, Hurtful. And the more we got to talking about, the more I thought, you're absolutely right in what you're talking about. But he's also, Lindelof is also kind of unmasking problems that didn't just generate in 2019. Oh, cor- oh yeah. But that are there oh, on well, the, that's the margins total, so, yeah. of Watchmen, the comic book. Like the graphic yes. novel, you see poverty and you see race sort yeah. of. You see some racism. In the margins, yeah. in the background, mm-hmm. in sort of urban decay and yeah. filth and poverty, but not in any serious way to address that. No, no, more more gestures towards issues of race in the original comic. Right, which I don't think are even meant to be gestures. They're meant to be background yeah, color. They're, they're but but be, it's, not, it's not something yeah. that the story really pursues and develops. Doesn't want you to think about, which— yeah. Again, is very much the 80s. Who yeah. wanted to think about police brutality yeah. or white supremacy yeah. or gun control or any of these things in the 1980s? Yeah. Like the the, 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 the apex of sort yeah. of Reagan's America. Mm-hmm. And so I like that he's doing that as well. I think yeah. in some ways you could watch the show on HBO and see it critiquing what Moore chose to overlook yeah. Oh, absolutely. 80s, yeah. Right. By focusing all of it on this external threat, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is really convenient for Americans mm-hmm. and for the West in right. general. The external threat of the Soviet Union and communism allows you to ignore the internal the threat problems that of are racism and inside. white supremacy. Yeah. yeah. And and police brutality, which yeah. I, I mean, I mean, Rodney King is not far removed from the 1980s. Yeah. It, it It's there. Yeah. We just don't want to talk about it, address it, make yeah. it part of. Who we are. Yeah. So what did you think then? I, the the world he creates that kind mm-hmm. of spins out of the giant squid attack mm-hmm. in 1985. Five? I think. Yeah, I think it's five. Anyway, round about there, the squid comes and it creates kind of Yeah, it's of five. A, it's 85. Creates a world peace. Like there's a kind mm-hmm. of world peace kind of that that's generated by it. Um, I, I'm interested in your take on the world that comes as a result so that you get – uh, Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting reality star Donald Trump as president, you get Robert Redford as president, right. and he's like a Hollywood. Well, I think um, I mean in the liberal. original co- the original comic actually mentions at the very end Redford making a run for yeah. president, and right. and it's meant to be a Reagan reference, right? Because they basically say, oh, no one's going to want a Hollywood actor as president. Vote yeah. Redford, and you think they're talking about Reagan, and then they say Redford's never yeah going to win. Um, but for example, the idea of what they call redfurations, redfurdation, like redfurdations. The, the reparations done via yeah. the government, yeah, fascinating idea that mm-hmm. that that we might elect somebody who was left enough or yeah. PC enough, depending on your political perspective, I guess, yeah, to sort of create reparations. I mean, again, I think everything that Lindelof did, yeah, made sense to me. Yeah, um, he built a really interesting that, that, world that, I mean, out I'd, of it. I, I, I have two very minor quibbles about the show. Yeah. Um, but, Quibble away, sir. Or do you want to hold off on the oh, We can hold off on that. But yeah, I, yeah. I but beyond those very minor quibbles, um, quibbles, everything that Lindelof did, I think, 
perfectly makes sense. I have a couple quibbles that come towards the end. Yeah, mine come towards um, the end as well. But the the world he built, like the Nixonville, yeah, and the way oh, in yeah. which, well, as a play on the Hoover, right? Yeah, yeah, and in, but instead of it being sort of African Americans mm -hmm. who are segregated and cordoned right. off from society and forced into poverty, yeah. it's kind of like poor white folks mm -hmm. instead. Well, and there's even stuff that works very subtly, like. For a while, it took me to figure out the the Red Scare character. Yeah, like why he like where he came from, and I'm like, oh, he's there clearly as the new sort of cooperation between America and Russia. Yeah, after like the, like they've got a, a Russian guy working in the Tulsa Police Department. It's okay now. Like it's they're clearly cooperating now. It's like oh, okay, that makes like I was like they they're not really doing anything with him, but I was like yeah, because that's that's you know he's just there for that. And our show never takes political sides but as i watched red scare cooperating so closely mm -hmm. with american law enforcement it couldn't help but make me think a little bit oh, about, about collusion collusion right about our, sorry alleged uh, collusion alleged collusion the world in which we live yeah. in which um relationships with the russian government are not what you might have expected in yeah. 1985 yeah right if you would have said to me this is what Republicans in the Senate will be saying about Russian mm -hmm. interference in elections. You would right. say, that's insane. The party right. of Reagan would never allow no, for that kind of thing to happen. No, no, not the party of Reagan. So I have some comments about different characters. Okay. One that I really liked more than I thought I would was Lori Blake. Yeah. She's one of the few original characters. Yeah, I mean, well, there's basically her and uh, Vite and yep. Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, that carry forward. Yeah. I found her to be not unbelievable. I mean, you have to accept yeah. that, you know, Dan has been thrown in jail or whatever. Yeah, because apparently, you know, they obviously retired. And then I guess in some of, of the, the ancillary materials for the show. Right. Um, I guess they came out of retirement to stop the McVeigh bombing. Right. And that's when he got captured. Or that when they both got captured. Um. And he, I can't remember his reasons for why he chose to, uh, uh, Lori worked out a deal. I can't remember right. what and he, he, he did. He rejected but, the deal. I can't remember what it was based on. But, but her jaded kind of approach oh, yeah. to the business, her having to cope with the celebrity of having been mm -hmm. a hero and no longer. Well, it's a way in which that she very much ends up a blend of both her mother, the original Silk Spectre, and yeah. her father, the comedian. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even I, I, I even love the casting of Jean Smart in was, that role. It was role very good, yeah. In terms of because she has very, you know, a very sort of classic Hollywood actress look to her, which would be very much the part of Silk Spectre, right? But obviously can carry on that that bitterness and 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 it's a real edge, um, yeah. edge of of yeah. So I like uh, that again. Like I'm not sure I can think of a better actor to play that yeah. role. Agreed. Than Jean Smart. Oh. She was really good. Now, yeah. her assistant, the FBI guy, Petey, yes. has a Ph.D. in history. Yes. So I immediately assume he's going to be the bad guy. No, he's— But he's, he's not really. No, he's just kind of— For now. Well, although there's some speculation that he's Lube Man. Yes, I, I believe the show in, again, some of the online stuff has basically revealed that he is yeah. Lube Man. So what's he doing there? I guess I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Loop yeah. Man is a is a weird. I'm not sure that's his actual name so much as that's what kind of in the the fandom he has been called. Well, but what else are you gonna call him? Slippery Eel. The Slider. Slippery Dick. 
I'm not sure I would go with that. Nope, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe not. That's something you want to walk away from. Well, we once called a president slippery dick. Tricky so. dick. Oh, called him Tricky Dick. Tricky Dick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little different. Slipping and again, it wasn't really thing. in a yeah. term of endearment. Yeah. Well, I I don't think lube man is a term of endearment. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Doesn't seem like the knee. Yeah. All right, maybe we should move on. Yeah, we probably should. Um, assessment of villain number one. What did you think of True in her as, as a villain? Overall, she is one of my quibbles. Oh, we've gotten to a quibble. Yes, in that. I mean, overall, I really liked her. Quibble time. Um, but I feel like the— Oh, you know what we need? We need like a little jingle whenever it gets. For like, the quibble corner? Hey, kids, it's the quibble corner. <laughs> quibble away. And then you quibble. <laughs> I'm just going to let you have your moment. You just, quibble away. You just enjoy yourself. <laughs> quibble there. away. No, I think the, the idea that we get in the final episode of that, that yeah. we get from Vite. Yeah. Um, that, you know, she's too dangerous to have this power. Mm hmm. Um, that I felt maybe could have been seeded a little bit better earlier in the series. Like it kind of, it kind of, we only really get it from Vite, who is not the most, you know, right, not suspect source, right. Um, and so I would have liked to have seen maybe that played up a little bit more I, I early think, on. The idea, right. like, it, like if there would have been things that she had, like the way in which she talked about her plan, made yeah. it clear that that she was of. Uh, clearly overreaching. I don't know that right. they really drove that as clearly as they could earlier in the show. I think there are hints of that maybe and that like she's cloned her mother. Yeah, like, there's, like she's I'd like stronger hints. She, right. I I I think that's fair. I yeah. like that Lindelof doesn't make it just like like the problem isn't just like sort of toxic racism or right. toxic masculinity. There's like a, a there can be a, a toxicity in idealism mm -hmm. as well. I've seen some people writing about that yeah. that True has a kind of idealism mm -hmm. built into her, but right. when you give somebody that kind of power and that kind of idealism, mm -hmm. really bad things. Well, and I think she's result. meant to be the counterpoint to Dr. Manhattan because my other quibble is— Wait, wait. Quibble away. Is the point they make at the end about Dr. Manhattan for all his power not do, not doing yeah. enough, which, again, with something like that, critique didn't really— land earlier the dr manhattan stuff drives me nuts because he can't change anything that's going to happen right but he does a lot of work to try to shape what's going to happen mm -hmm. it's a it's a well you don't like time travel to begin with he's, and, and, he's and, he's a really, and he's like walking talking time travel he's actually so. maybe the the most realistic kind of presentation of it but he's yeah still so i think really in, in the kind of that 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 you know in terms of that idea of power, Dr. Manhattan is irresponsible because he didn't do enough with the power he has. Right. True is irresponsible because she's going to do too much with what power she wants. That 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 sort of comparison really only shows up at the very end. Yeah. And I don't know that I felt it was and again it did it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere a And it bit might be a me. broader critique of power. It is. That when you give anybody so much power. Yeah. Um it's either going to be indifference or overcommitment. Yeah, that it's so hard to find. So, that those, but those are my only real quibbles with the oh, show. That's too bad because now we got a little jingle. I know, and I'm done quibbling. Well, maybe you'll bring up something else that I find quibbly. Okay, all right, maybe we could do some quibbling. That'd be great. Um, I feel like it should be a separate podcast, like the quibble cast. The quibble. Oh my God, we could do a podcast of quibbles. Oh God, <laughs> just like ten minutes of like you know, here's my minor issues with so and so thing. <laughs> that actually could be an interesting episode. We should do a quibble. My, my minor issues with things in pop culture. Yeah. Like, but, but only like, minor issues. You know what really quibbles me off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can't be big. It's got to yeah, be small. Yeah, exactly. Well, really like, you small do like things. a bunch of like mini shows. Like, you know, you love the show, but 
Right, exactly. This was great. However. However. Mine a quibble. I have a quibble coming later. <laughs> okay. So, um, more character development. One of my favorite characters, I thought, was mm-hmm. just a fascinating um, guy, was Looking Glass. Oh, Looking Glass, hands down, was my favorite. Um, and, I, and I find him the most interesting. And the like, spotlight episode on him, I, for me, I think is probably my favorite episode yeah. of of what is overall a really strong group of episodes. Right. The way in which he became mm-hmm. Looking Glass was a fascinating story. It totally yeah. makes sense that it, like all these superheroes, really, they come out of trauma, mm-hmm. not out of something more noble. Right. Yeah. And his, his origin story is pretty traumatic. Yeah. Trapped naked in a fun house. Yeah, well, and the whole idea that his identity is sort of based on that trauma that he's clearly still yeah. um, experiencing. Yeah. You know, and the fact that he's got the, the I forget what the material they, um, right. the, 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 the anti-reflect, the anti-telepathic yeah. material, that he's got the alarm warning for the squid attacks. Yeah, um, the squid showers. The squid, things like that, that um, I thought really made sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Looking Glass, I think, of of all of the new characters, hands down, was my favorite. And the idea that he could read people, that he had, like, a natural talent yeah. for reading people. Like, the, the We Came Back ads oh, yeah. were just spectacular. Yeah. Like, because, of course, New York City would have to. Oh, yeah. Again, another thing that to, totally makes sense is that have you, to no one wants PR to go to New York campaign. City. Yeah. 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 By the way, that my one of my favorite parts of that favorite episode was how right it got the 80s. Mm-hmm. The songs. Oh, um, yeah. The, the fashion. Covers, the fashion, the colors. Yep. Um, the attitudes. Mm-hmm. Again, and some nice references to the original comic in that, right. you know, the gang that sort of bothers him are the right. Top Knots, which right. were the gang running around like in. The, but faux street tough 80s, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like scary in an 80s film kind of way. Yeah, like yeah. If you're in pretty in pink and you're going to the wrong side of the tracks yeah. you run into those kinds of guys yeah. well it's like when we went over thanksgiving i was at my we had our family got together at, at my sister's in north carolina and yeah. we want we wanted to watch like a thanksgiving movie um you know thanksgiving evening and we're yeah. like well what's a thanksgiving theme movie so we looked it up and the first thing that comes up is planes trains and automobiles right and i looked it up, i was like and my sister's like oh it's rated r and i'm like julie it's 1985 r like right. that is going to be some profanity and maybe like some brief nudity, like it's gonna right. be. And there wasn't even any nudity. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah it's kind of like kind of like the way the '80s. Yeah, the John Candy Steve Martin vehicle doesn't really move to nudity. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, but kind of the same thing. Yeah. No. The the but yeah the Looking Glass episode to me and Looking Glass. I, you know the fact I just love that that Laurie just keeps calling him Mirror Guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a nice bit that worked. If they could just take Stranger Things and say, here's how you might do mm. the '80s. <laughs> Instead yeah, but of that, like just knocking people over the head with it. Yeah, but Stranger Things is a much more nostal- nostalgia trip. I suppose for the '80s. I suppose one of the great things of, about the nostalgia for the '80s in that episode was that the Seventh Cavalry, of course, mm-hmm. is operating out of an abandoned mall. Yes, it's just like Vicky and I, as we go to the local mall here and yeah. realize that it's about one third empty right now yeah. and it's clearly on its way oh, to, and the chili's just shut down unexpectedly unbelievable like, chili's is gone and like what so, is the world coming to but you could definitely this mall dying yeah we'll often walk when we walk around the mall we'll like if you could just figure out a way to make money off of dead mall space mm-hmm. and the seventh cavalry have yeah i guess right you build a massive lair for bad guys yeah 
Now, there were a lot of people that were very upset by the idea of the 7th Cavalry. And that... they in them all, or...? Well, in... in, in uh, fans of the original comic, in particular fans of the yeah. Rorschach character, were very upset by the idea that the 7th Cavalry were sort yeah. of inspired by yeah. um, Rorschach. But they would be. Oh, they absolutely would be. Wouldn't they? Like, yeah. they, they are... Fringe, like mm-hmm. lunatic fringe kinds of people who yeah. are going to be attracted to that kind of right. Well, I mean, and and, yeah, and, and kind of seems classic. to be like the the heel of all these people because he's the guy who gets things done by himself and like doesn't. It just seems obvious that they make him like the go to person. Well, but but people who also find Rorschach is a is a is a hero. Yeah. yeah. Or like like he's. I mean, our our he's a hero. Yeah. Well, the problem is that well more to them. Well, but but, but I, even in the, the original people comic, who are complaining about it, yeah, who oh. are like Rorschach fans, I'm like, you really shouldn't. Like, maybe be, you should check I mean, that, that fandom a little. The bit. The problem is, and again, I think this is in some ways a flaw of the original comic. Oh, sounds like a quibble. Possibly. Quibble away. Um, <laughs> the end of the comic, in which you have Rorschach being the only one not willing to go along with with Vite's yes. cover up, yeah, and thus Doctor Manhattan, you know. Um, uh, vaporiz- him. vaporizing him, yes. Yes. and and sort of and sort of the way in which Rorschach, yeah, it, that, it is, it's in the way in which that comic gets kind of holds that up as kind of this moment of valor and heroism and Rorschach's part because he knows it's coming, he knows yeah. what Doctor Manhattan has to do. Yeah, I think that's a moment that kind of works to make him this heroic figure that in the rest of the series he's not he's because not, he's really yeah. meant to be kind of yeah. If a Batman actually existed in reality. Yeah. It would not be a Bruce Wayne type character. It would be a Rorschach type character. Right. Yeah, it would be a sociopath. And yeah. again, the people he goes after, thankfully, all turn out to be bad people. You know, right. he doesn't have actually like, not all of them in the comic he goes after are bad people. He hurts right. people that are completely innocent. Right, and people oh, yeah, who, comic, who don't yeah, kind of fall within his mor- his morality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think the the Zack Snyder film goes a long way towards yeah valorizing him. Yeah, because it just you know echoes exactly the dialogue he has in the comic yeah. but without any sort of of critical depth to it right so um at the mall we meet sort of well we don't meet but we get to know the oklahoma senator yes um how do you feel about him as a, vi- a villain um i i think what i enjoyed the most about him is his end <laughs> his end is exactly like it should happen mm-hmm. Not, it never happened in a superhero movie that right. way because he's kind of like the big bad. He's the big bad, yeah. He gets, number one, he puts on the Dr. Manhattan shorts <laughs> before he gets into the chamber. Yes. To become Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And then. Yeah, he'd be Dr. Tulsa. Well, well whatever you or want. Or Dr. Oklahoma, one of the two. Yeah. Neither are really packing quite the same punch. Yeah, no. But that he feels he needs to put on the shorts mm-hmm. to go in is, yeah. number one, spectacular. Yes. Number two. It turns out his death isn't really the climax in any way. No, of the show. Like, no, like, like it's it's well, and what he thought was a, his inevitable triumph right. is not inevitable. He becomes just a pile of goo. Yeah, pile's not quite more like a pool. A of puddle goo. of goo. Yeah, yeah. puddle, puddle of goo. Goo. The puddle of goo. That'd be a good Batman villain, Puddle Al Ghul. <laughs> the, the lesser known of the Al Ghuls. Batman's walking away. Oh, my foot's wet. Yeah. Al Ghul. Like Khan. Batman just yeah, stops poor, in the poor, street poor, poor and Roz. yells out. It's like, oh, it's my brother Puddle again. God, Puddle <laughs> shows up at all the worst moments. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
Oh. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy because the idea of you know, sort of the the Oklahoma senator kind of being short sighted. Yeah. In his ambition, um, yeah. I thought was a nice critique of of the white supremacy. Yes. That he represented, even at the same time that Lindelof wanted to make the point that getting rid of the individual white supremacists does nothing to actually get rid of white sounds supremacy. Sounds like a book I was reading or writing recently. Yeah, it sounds like a book. Well, a you know. A way in which you can't fix racism by fixing individuals, yeah. but you have to fix yeah. the system. Well, it's the kind of thing that would have worked really well. Oh, that book, by the way, is all new, all different. Yes. Would have worked really well at the end of a class that was examining race. Yeah. And super particularly sort of a class that looked at kind yeah. of this idea of, of racism being individualized. Yeah. Um, you know, Watchmen with its emphasis on race would have been a really nice capper to yes. a class like that if it yeah. existed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we'll come back to race. But continuing to talk about characters, what do you think mm -hmm. about Veidt's storyline? I really liked Veidt. Um, it was weird. It was it weird. It took a while to figure out. Yes, as he's catapulting people through the sky. That's <laughs> the thing. I mean, again, like Lindelof, so I read an interview where Lindelof said, like, you know, when they cast um, Jeremy Irons in the role, yeah. um, they did not originally intend to play Vite for comedy. Yeah. But there was just something about the way in which Irons played the role. And based on the comic, you really wouldn't think of him as a comic figure. Yeah. But I thought it was brilliant. Well, in a way, it was it was doubly brilliant because it reduces him. Mm -hmm. Like in the comic, he is the world's yeah. smartest man. He literally outsmarts everybody else on the planet, and he has he seems to have achieved a level above humanity. Well, but I think the other thing the but the humor in this yeah. totally reduces him. Well, the comic sort of sets up the idea that Vite is doing what he thinks is you know he's saving the world right. But doesn't you know? But 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 doesn't want any credit for it. Yeah. Um, and what I love about the this version of Vite is that it's so clear that he is. Uh, there's a point at which he's like, I really want credit for saving the world, which yeah. which that kind of megalomaniac you would expect. Him, you know, yeah. But he's, um, he's pissed off, and and, and, and it's why going to Doctor Manhattan's right world doesn't work for him because again, it's it's a. I love the fact that he's there when he's getting ready to leave. Yeah. And he's kind of talking about how he doesn't want to stay there because that world doesn't need him. And he says something about, like, you know, I can only imagine, you know, the world that I left, that they are, like, down on their knees crying out for me to come yeah. save them. And then he yeah. gets there, and he's totally irrelevant. Right. Um, no, I, all of that I buy. I think the humor helps to reduce him. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the references to Redford won't even return my calls yes. anymore. Yeah, yes. like, I, they know what they're doing, mm -hmm. and they're doing it really well. Yeah, and yeah. that was the thing I was, because we had talked about before, prior to the last episode, we were talking about, like, is there, like, what do they do for Watchmen Season 2? Um, yeah. And I thought, well, maybe that's, because the Vite thing was a very slow burn. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe that's because Vite's return is going to be Season 2. Like, yeah. that's going to be what we do in Season 2. Yeah. Um, but then prior to the final episode, there were all the things where Lindelof basically said, he's like, I don't know if there's going to be a Season 2. I don't have a story yet. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, then what's the Vite thing doing? That was when I realized, like, right at the beginning of, of the final episode, I'm like, everything with Vite is in the past. Yeah. Like, it's clear that, that we're seeing what happened to Vite 
prior to any of this show starting. And you see the old man Vite statue yes. fairly early, and you, you're like, and then you're like, oh. oh. I th- and I think even Laurie asks, why'd you make a statue of him so old? It's not like they're hiding it. Yeah. But, like, it was not where I thought the story was No, that, well, and that's, you know? that is, again, kind of the idea that yeah. one of the things that I really like about Watchmen, everything that it did that was sort of a twist was entirely set up earlier in the in the series. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a show that very much played completely fair with its audience. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's uh, the twists surprised me. Yes. But they were honest. Yes. Were, unlike, say— the Mandalorian, yes, where you know the helmet's coming off, and you right. know what's coming off with the robot once they, you know, mm-hmm. reach some kind of conciliation. That's thing. Yeah, the issue with Mandalorian is that the twists were all kind of predictable. Yeah, based on how they were were set up earlier, which is fine. Which is fine. This is at a different Mandalorian. Level. The twists were all predictable. If you had been, or sorry, not Mandalorian, Watchmen. Yeah, there we the go. The twists were yeah. all should have been predictable. Yeah. Um. And in retrospect are, but didn't see them. I would love to go back and watch it again. Yeah, I need to watch it again. But I, w- I was looking at my notes, and I so I was taking notes as I was watching, and I wrote this at one point. Vite catapults himself into space mm-hmm. and spells out, save me, daughter, mm-hmm. in frozen dead clone bodies on the moon. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote, and that's all true, no matter how ridiculous those words are actually yeah. tagged next to Oh, yeah. Other. No, it's, like, it's, 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 it's insane. Yeah. And it totally works. Well, that's insane. And then the whole thing, because you, re- you realize at the end that the entirety of what we s- we've seen with Vite yeah. is just to occupy his time. Right. That's why the whole thing at the, at the very first episode when they bring him the cake with the horseshoe in it, and he's yeah. like, I don't need this yet. Yeah. And at the time, I'm like, Okay, so the horseshoe, like, I don't understand that. Like, what is going on there? And then then you realize, like, oh, my God, he's literally set up this entire conflict just to keep himself entertained until True Ship shows up. Right, yeah. I'm like, okay, that explains so much of what's going on now. Yeah, no, it's it's really, really good. Like, it's good stuff. Yeah. So I had a question about um, the way in which sexuality was used in the show. Okay. And I've not read Watchmen in a long time. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can speak to it better than I can. So um, Hooded Justice mm-hmm. in the HBO series has a homosexual relationship. Yes. With Captain Metropolis. Yes. Right? And it's not really presented in, an, in any way as like a deviant kind of mm-hmm. relationship. But – the television show that they're running mm-hmm. on the television show yes. is super salacious. Like yes. it, it turns homosexuality into kind of like a deviant yes. act. Well, and I think that's supposed to be the equivalent of the pirate comic in right. the original Watchmen comic. But in the original Watchmen comic, mm-hmm. there are some moments of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like they were generally used to show the deviance of the people who became heroes. Yes. Right? That, and that's a very 80s way of treating yeah. homosexuality. Right? Yeah. It's, it's not a way that would be acceptable. Well, there's, acceptable and I, there's one part, one of the flashbacks um, to the Minutemen. Right. There's a confrontation between Comedian and Hooded Justice, I believe right after Comedian attempted to rape yeah. um, the original yes. Silk Spectre. Yeah. Where he, imp- where he implies... Hooded justice, justice's homosexuality, right? 
um, and and I think uh, some some masochistic, if not, I think masochistic tendencies as well. Yeah, right. And so, to me, it's really interesting that Lindelof is trying to take. Yeah. The way that homosexuality was deployed, say, in the mm-hmm. comic. Well, because if you think about it, homosexuality and rape mm-hmm. are both used to establish, I think, the deviance of the heroes. The idea mm-hmm. that heroes aren't Bruce Wayne's and Clark right. Kent's. Yeah. They come from the other end of the spectrum. They're mm-hmm. sociopaths. They're ill-adjusted people. Right. They're deviants. Mm-hmm. And so homosexuality was a shorthand in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Of saying, hey, that hooded justice, yeah. like there's something not right with him. Yeah. The comedian raping, like there's something not right with mm-hmm. with him. Well, I think one of the and other so things it's Lindelof playing is on, trying to yeah. kind of play on that, but also challenge and kind of mm-hmm. update attitudes about homosexuality. Well, it's maybe? also playing on one of the fan theories that came out of the original series. Because there's a panel at one point in the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Where I can't, there, there's a scene of I think it's people at a party or at a restaurant, and there's two older men I think sitting at the table, one of whom very much looks like an older Captain Metropolis. Yeah, and so like one of kind of the the run long running sort of fan theory fan fiction bits was that that was Captain Metropolis and Hood, Hooded Justice, who eventually, you know, in their later years were a couple. Yeah. Um. And and lived like a, a perfectly normal life after that. Now I I, I think um, Moore and Gibbons have said that you know that was not intentional right. on their part. And Lindelof uh, is clearly not. And and it seems like Lindelof is sort of playing with that little bit of of the fan theory as well. But doing something much more interesting. And in that I don't I don't I haven't read the comic in a while. I don't think there's anything in the comic that actually speaks to a relationship between. Metropolis and Hooded Justice. I don't think so either. But I, I do read. I, my recollection is that they use sexuality as mm-hmm. a way of. Oh, that they absolutely do. Yeah. Deviance. So, um, moving from sexuality to the issue of policing, mm-hmm. um, do you think the show did a good job of handling like issues of police brutality and racism, and also the way in which like in Redford's world, all the cops' guns are locked and they have to call in to get permission to unlock a gun before they can yeah. use it? It's, I, I have to go back and watch the show again. Oh, good, again. Because it feels to for me... A minute, I was yeah. saying you had to watch the Well, because it feels to me like... That's my line. <laughs> the point about policing operates in the first half. Yeah. But sort of gets subsumed into the white supremacy... Yeah, conspiracy towards the end, and so yeah. it seems like it kind of of loses that point about policing, or 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 it morphs Un- into something else. Unless, or 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 sort of gets subsumed what, Lind- into the larger right, point. Lindelof is making the larger point, yeah. which is the senator and Sheriff Crawford. And by the way, like Don Johnson's having quite the career renaissance right mm-hmm. now. Um, that they're they're working together mm-hmm. and they're kind of creating both sides of the culture war to their yeah. own advantage, and or thus, what they think is their own advantage until right, well, you know, right? Goo puddle. They're doing the best they can. Well, and hung from a tree. They, yeah. they don't. Neither ends well. Yeah, it doesn't. By really. the way, Don Johnson is really great in Knives Out too. Oh, okay. It was a terrific movie. Um, but yeah, maybe the point Lindelof might be trying to make is that the police brutality is connected to and yeah. subsumed by yeah. Um, yeah. larger racial attitudes. Yeah, so it, it, you know, in terms of, I mean, I, I, I would have to go back to see 
because since the the policing point is so early on in the series, mm-hmm. and I've only watched the series through once, it's hard for me to remember all of that particular point. I remember right. the white supremacy at the end that it kind of gets subsumed into. But once Crawford is revealed as a guy who's working with white supremacists, yeah. it, it, there is I a mean, blending yeah. of the policing yeah. and the white supremacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but so, yeah, but I mean, there's absolutely a cleverness to what he's doing, yeah. to what Lindelof is doing. And the way in which Captain Metropolis is like, I'm willing to have a relationship yes. with Hooded Justice, but when Hooded Justice says... I figured out what Cyclops is. Oh, I know yeah. what they're doing, and they're brainwashing people, and they're mm-hmm. creating race riots to, to. And Metropolis is not at all. That's not the kind of thing no, he wants to fight. Not at all. Like, like it again. A, a nice underline of kind of a, a white privilege. That, yeah, that, that absolutely. He he's says in a position where he can ignore that. In some ways, he says something like, "Black unrest is your problem to solve." Yeah, which is echoes interestingly stuff we've mm-hmm. written about in comic books as well. Right, but in the seventies white writers would have black superhero mm-hmm. characters say um, racist villains are my problem. Right. Problems in Harlem are my problem. Mm-hmm. I don't want the rest of the Avengers coming with me if right. I'm the Black Panther because yeah. it's my job. And it's my job to deal with. It's my and people, so, my neighborhood. I think in some ways Lindelof is indirectly critiquing those kinds yeah. of attitudes. Yeah. Well, and again, well. a moment that just I found so visually stunning Yeah. Um, was when Hooded Justice takes off his mask and you see the domino mask pattern that he's whited out his skin. Yeah. Like that I, that moment just struck me. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, just it's a visually remarkable as, as visual moment. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was yeah. one of the things I was proud of myself in that very early on I figured out that Lou Gossett Jr.'s character was Hooded Justice. Yeah. Um, largely because his outfit is the exact same color as Hooded Justice's outfit. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they—, they well Not that which, big devil. Which, for me, it's all the outfit. And then, of course, at the end, they show him, like, in that first scene, he's actually holding the, the noose. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, that would have yeah, that, that would have been a clue. Could, he's see, wearing the same colors and has a noose. I yeah. didn't pick that up as quickly, and I think a lot of people wouldn't have, in part because you just assume the hero under the hood is white. Yeah, well, that's one of the things because, that I was like— cause that, And then it's when it's I figured a, out, I was like, well, if he is Hood of Justice, then— why? Because I I thought maybe because there was a point at which the only scenes we saw with Hooded Justice were in the TV show, and yeah. so I was like, oh, so it's just like the only that's why his eyes are white. Yeah, is that it's just because the TV show is assuming he's white. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But then the the episode when it reveals that he actually is Hooded Justice, and yeah, that just the the way in which it just so perfectly replicated like the standard hero domino mask. Like I was like. Yeah. Yeah, and the way in which Abar is doing the same kind of yeah. um, disguising. Yeah. Speaking of which, just an observation: the best titled episode. Oh, was a God walks a God into Abar. Like I, <laughs> it's like it's I'm like, like the, wow. Did, like, do you, did they pick her name, Abar, so that they could write that pun? Because it's pretty brilliant. Oh yeah, it is. No, I'm, I'm going to take that a step further. I'm yeah. pretty sure that is the first thing they came up with. For the entire show. Well, that was and the thus show they was then made. and Somebody then they wrote the rest of the show pun. around. Yeah, yeah a god like, walks into like because I didn't notice on my DVR when I watched it that the yeah. A bar was swished together. I thought it was just called a god walks into a bar. Yeah. Um, and then I saw the episode. I'm like, oh, that's Richard is the episode where Doctor Manhattan, who is a god, 
walks into a bar. Angela a bar. In a bar. It's just... But yeah, I was just like, like that is the kind of punnery. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like somebody invited him was like, wouldn't it be funny if they showed up yeah. in a bar and that like, is, do this oh, yeah. pun and like, yeah. we can make a show around this. Yeah, yeah. Like that how do is, we get these two together? We need a show of seven more episodes to get That is the kind of punnery <laughs> yes. that I aspire to. Oh, it's it's Joe that is, level. That is yeah. a level of, because that is how I would write it. I've yeah. got this great pun. Yeah. Let's build a nine episode show around it. Yeah. It was good. Because, uh, yeah, God walks into a bar. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Now, Dr. Manhattan, just as irritating as always. But he is. I mean, that's the point. He's that's, always yeah. irritating. Yeah. But there, I have a quibble. Okay. Quibble away. Ugh. You're the only one who can do the sound effect. Quibble away. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's, it's, it's like his trailer park. Like, we can't do it for you. Oh, I do the trailer park best. Yeah, but we, we, ask, you, but we ask you not to every time. Um... <laughs> John needs to find a body. So yes. they go to the morgue. They need to find some John Doe mm-hmm. that he can become. Because yes. as Angela explains, they need papers. Yeah. So you're telling me that Dr. Manhattan can't create a driver's license for himself. Dr. Manhattan is one of those characters the guy, where it's like, Superman, he can do all this. But it's like, he's gone we to need the, something he's to He's gone to Yeah, well, and he does create his clothes. And so he's he gone to Europa, so and he he's can't actually make an like oasis on a yeah. moon of Saturn. Yeah, like could the only thing well, but he does, he does have be... to transplant the castle to there. But he doesn't build be, the castle we don't know that there. He has to. Yeah, that might just be easier. It's like, hey, I've got mm-hmm. a castle here already. Might as well just transport yeah. it instead of making yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he does make his clothes. I think it's a fairly fair quibble. That yeah, he can't come up with a birth certificate and a. Well, and a like the only thing he would need to do is like look at a birth certificate to know what they're supposed to look like. That would yeah. be the only thing. Like, yeah. oh, I need to go somewhere to look at one. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. And it then, just, yeah. It seems he wouldn't even need that because he's well, but someone, always talking to himself in the future and the past. So he someone, would just go to his future self who's making the birth certificate. Which that was another yeah. the, the, the he, paradox. He like says that like, I need to go to the library at some point. The paradox then, like, moment. I, lo- I loved the paradox moment. Where, he, where, where it's because Angela asks Hood of Justice, did he kill Don Johnson's character? It ended up causing Hooded Justice to kill John Johnson's character. Well, it's like, how did you know that Crawford was Cyclops? Yeah, yeah. I was yes. like, I'm like, oh my god, like that. And she's I was like, going to ask you a. Uh, I was like, did she? Time she's like, did I just that? do? She's like, did I just do that? I'm like, yep, you 100 yep. percent did. Yeah, it's a that's a weird little moment there. Like that moment set everything in the entire series in motion. But speaking of John choosing a body, yes, he chooses a black body. Yes, which is obviously loaded with import mm-hmm. in this. But when Veidt tells him in 2009 that John choosing to come back as a black guy is a bad idea, that it kind of flies in the face of PC culture, mm. that white yeah. people can't appropriate <laughs> black <laughs> culture in this way. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice moment, too. It was, it was funny, yeah. and it made the point that it was supposed to make. Yeah. I'm still not sure what I do with the fact that when John comes back, he retains the look of the black man he was being. Yeah. Like he does, and everyone seems surprised by that. Yeah, and I'm still trying to figure out like what do I do? Like what what yeah. does that mean? Yeah, uh, because it's making God black. It is, or making a black man. But I'm also God. worried about a kind of essentialism there in yeah. terms of hmm. blackness being interesting. I hadn't thought about permanent. That. Like yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't wrapped my head around it entirely. I'm not sure I buy the argument, but I hear where you're coming from. This yeah, I'm not sure I buy it either, way. but I'm trying to, it, it's a moment that somewhat troubles me in terms of, I'm not sure, it troubles me because I'm not entirely sure, I'm assuming Lindelof means something by that. Yeah. 
I'm not sure what it is. Uh, well, like what it's meant so to be. So when Dr. Manhattan comes back originally, does he look like John? Yeah. He's, he's still, recognizable as John. I think he is. So maybe it's because that's the body he's most recently been inhabiting. I get, yeah. Like, yeah. No there might be. To change it. There might be. Like, yeah, there might would. be like a comic book science explanation yeah. to it. So, yeah. But, but I, I hear your skepticism. There's, yeah, there's something that, there's, that I'm like, I feel like there's something there. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Although I think the point Lindelof's trying to make is a positive one. I think so too. But it might like, run across some dangers. That's my concern. Is okay. I'm like that's a one that I'm like I worry that that might grate against yeah. some of the other stuff he's doing. But if you think about it, like I'm thinking now about uh, he comes back, he is um, he he's he's blue, but he he looks like the body he's just yeah. been inhabiting, and he's in the cage, and Senator Keen unleashes all of his um, angst and unhappiness and hatred. Mm -hmm. You know, he says, like, the monster that came 34 years ago wasn't the squid. Yeah. It was Redford. Mm -hmm. Because he says, Redford took away all our guns. Yep, made us do reparations. Apologize yep. over and over again for our quote-unquote alleged sins that, by the way, were committed by people a long time ago, not by us. Right. And made us apologize just for being white. Mm -hmm. So he says... In that way, having Dr. Manhattan in, yeah. you know, his African-American character's True. form is a way of juxtaposing mm -hmm. or, or reinforcing maybe yeah. the message, the hateful white supremacist mm -hmm. message. And I love that Keene says, like, I started a culture war and I controlled both sides of it so that I can win the White House. And I thought to myself... Oh yeah! Isn't that exactly the world in which we live today? It is, I mean, and one of the things I found exactly where, and it's one of the things I found really interesting is moment that I think some of that was at its peak in our culture. Yeah, some of what? Like it seemed. I don't know. For some reason, it felt like what Keen was saying was exactly what other people have been saying, like on Twitter and Facebook, and, yeah. and had really been starting to like really drive the point home yeah and so what i find really interesting is that for watchmen to be making that point at the exact moment that to me it felt like it was being made most fully in our culture yeah. means lindelof had to predict where we were going to be but is it that hard a prediction it's not it's, it's, it's like, not that it, hard but it, it hit at the exact moment yeah, it seems to where, me for me like, it felt it felt like the show was was hitting that yeah, at the, an exact moment. The timing was was really good. That he I'm was, like Lindelof. Some even he was even the comment about before people were even like it. the PC culture comment about like oh you're appropriating you know white yeah. people can't do that. It felt like when Lindelof had to be writing that, yeah, it wouldn't have been as cogent a point as it was so there's when prescience to what yeah it was one of those like yeah. he really predicted that yeah like watchmen hit at the exact but, moment it needed to hit and in that way watchmen should be this this warning shot across the bow of americans as we go to vote in in, in 2020 mm -hmm. it should be it should be you know this uh what was jefferson's phrase it should be a fire bell in the night saying yeah. look Forces larger than average ordinary Americans are creating divisions yeah. and sowing dissension mm -hmm. and working both sides of the issue because it gets them elected and it keeps them in power. Yeah, well, it is. Like it's an incredibly radical critique. It's an interesting way American to think about Lindelof's Watchmen in conjunction with Vice. Yeah. Yes. It. It. They are. 
that they both kind of make that point. And they work hand in hand yeah. in doing so, you know? And so when Dr. Manhattan at the end says, like, we have to stop true. Oh, okay. Uh, almost, we're almost there. Almost there. Um, Just another 20 minutes. Because she has, she's a narcissist and mm-hmm. she's, she suffers from hubris and she's, you know, yeah. toxic idealism. It all gets us to Trump mm-hmm. in a way. Oh, yeah. You know, that like just power is what these people want mm-hmm. and what they do with it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I know that you want to take a break. Quick, fair, foul. Okay. Um, so uh, there was a great thing in the New York Times about the way in which season one sort of takes American history and pop mythology, dismantles it down, dismantles it down to its smallest atoms and reconstructs it mm-hmm. in a form that's familiar but wholly new. Mm-hmm. I thought that was right on point. Yeah. But the Washington Post le- leveled a critique that I want you to think about okay. briefly. For all the series does or is dedicated to moving black Americans from the margins to the center, Watchmen doesn't eliminate the margins altogether. Rather, mm-hmm. Vietnam and Vietnamese and Vietnamese American people mm-hmm. end up occupying that vacated space mm-hmm. largely in service of other people's stories. Mm-hmm. And so while season one is a terrific beginning mm-hmm. or a, a, a starting space, place for having that conversation about white black race relations we sacrifice other groups that could very well be foregrounded this writer suggests season two ought to be just set in vietnam yeah i'd say that's fair i also don't know that's just i would see that as a critique Mm -hmm. because i think because lindelof has said part of his point is that as we talked about getting rid of the individuals does not change the larger problem right and so in some ways, I don't think Lindelof is trying to paint a picture of, in the Watchmen universe, all racial issues are solved. Oh, I don't think And so is. that, a kind of marginalization still exists, yeah. I think still works within the show. But the marginalization also exists in the show, not in the universe. Yeah. Right? It, the show was made yeah. in a way that Vietnam becomes background yeah. and color. Yeah. And kind of marginal support to the story. It would be story. interesting if they do something with her cloned mother, who's kind of still running around. Yeah. Well, this writer suggested, I think it's a brilliant idea, like just doing a, a, a season two that was just Vietnam. Yeah. From Dr. Manhattan showing up to becoming a 51st state. Yeah. To, to kind of expanding the story further. Okay. So. Um, that seems like a good place to. <laughs> the it end. feels like we need to end. Up. Yes. The end. Boom.